City Limits. Brought to us by the People's Committee for Melbourne every Wednesday at 9am. City Limits is Melbourne's only hour devoted to our urban environment. To transport and planning and housing issues. To privatisations and our utility services. To building and or maintaining a sense of community. 855 on the AM band, if we can hear it through the noise and find it through the smog. City, City Limits. And we're on City Limits on 3CR and uh, welcome everyone. We are talking about housing today. My name is Meg Kimber and I'm joined in the studio by Seb. Hello. And Karina's over there pressing the buttons. She's not talking. All right, fine. <laughs> Before we went to air, I said, are you going to talk today? She's like, mm, I don't think so. Um, so, yeah, it's a housing day. We're going to be joined with uh, by some regulars, uh, Howard and Jack from the uh, Defend and Extend Public Housing, Friends of Public Housing. And uh, we're also going to be joined by Fiona from Housing for the Aged Action Group. Um, so we'll be getting an update on basically everything that is relevant about housing, public housing, private housing, housing budgets, federal and state commitments to public housing, um, or whatever they call it, social housing. And yeah, yeah so we'll be talking to Howard and Jack at about, uh, 20 past the hour and we'll be catching up with Fiona about 9.40. But in the meantime... Zeb and I are going to chat about the news. Yes, without Kevin and his multiple pieces of newspaper cuttings. stack of newspapers, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Somehow we managed to keep keep up to date with what's going on, even though we don't read the Herald Sun. (laughs) I don't know how we do it, but we do it, yeah. Um, So one piece of news that I found uh, was a bit about um, what's been going on with the budget. Uh, and that is a $2 billion fossil fuel subsidy, um, which, let me see what it's called exactly, the fuel security service payment, which is basically if the fossil fuels don't make enough money from selling themselves, then they, they get a payment. Um, so thanks, Angus Taylor. And an, an interesting thing is that this was hidden in last week's budget um, under the guise of commercial sensitivity. Oh, so um, it wasn't publicly available. Apparently, yeah. So, wow, interesting. Um, yeah, this commercial sensitivity or commercial incompetence is an issue that keeps on popping up and yep. seems to, you know, it's kind of linked to privatisation. Mm-hmm. Um, you get the same thing with, like I remember with the um, the fossil-free campaign at Melbourne University, like they just couldn't get pretty much any information about what was actually happening because Mm -hmm. everyone just uses the excuse of commercial incompetence and then you don't have to reveal any (laughs) information of dealings with um, companies. Mm. So it's pretty frustrating. It is frustrating, especially if the the trend is towards more and more private interest involved in what used to be public public institutions and and public organisations. And, yeah, if they are private and they're commercial, then they can use that defence, whereas publicly owned um, resources can't cover themselves in that way and and should be potentially open to more scrutiny. Yeah, Yeah. and you really should expect the budget to be something that uh, you know is open to well like is accountable and um, (laughs) able to be scrutinized yeah Yeah, definitely I saw in the budget that um, there's 
$464 million of spending um, allocated to the Immigration Detention Network, including an extension of the use of Christmas Island Detention Centre until June 2022. Wow. Yeah. That's... Really yeah. sad. Yeah, yeah. I, if that's correct. That's from The Guardian. And um, at the same time, one of the biggest savings measures will be um, uh, reducing the amount of income support available to new migrants. So, yeah, bit of a double whammy there. Yeah, mm. yeah. It's. I mean, it's sad that it even has to be an argument that um, it costs so much to keep people in detention. Um, mm. But it it is an argument that I mean people are trying to put mm-hmm. forward to mm. to convince people that are only concerned with um, money uh, yeah, away exactly. from that. But I suppose <clears throat> hasn't quite worked yet. It doesn't seem to have. Hey, yeah, yeah. the human rights issue should be the number one it issue here. Be. But yeah, if, even for this is these are the flaws of capitalism and that that logic is that um, even if you if you really look at it and you're like, financially, this doesn't make sense, it still doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a very ideological aspect to it. Yeah. yeah. Well, let me find my one other <laughs> news <laughs> item for the day. Uh, yeah, it was uh, it's more on Vic Forrest's um, uh, dodgy yeah. logging deal. So yeah, cool. Um, according to the ABC News, Vic Forrest is conducting more illegal logging and putting Melbourne water catchment at risk. Interesting. Um, so apparently, logging on slopes steeper than thirty degrees is banned in some water catchment areas, but Vic Forrest cleared trees on some slopes of nearly thirty-five degrees in the Thompson catchment. So. Ooh. Uh, yeah, more, and that was um, that was a conversation that was happening around the time of the bushfires, as well. Um, because if fires destroy um, our catchment areas, the forests in our catchment areas, where Melbourne is in big trouble in terms of um, our water supply, because we'll just it will like pretty much all be contaminated. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So. It's it's a massive issue and, yeah, it's just another kind of uh, notch in Vic Forest's belt mm. of something that they're doing wrong. Mm. Yeah, anyone who's been listening to 3CR at all knows that the Save Anandra Plateau campaign has been um, spoken about at length and Fiona from, from HAG, who's joining us later, is actually joining us from Goongra, so we might be able to get a bit of an update ah, from her amazing. potentially. I haven't I haven't cleared this with her, but I hope that she'll, she won't mind if we throw that on her. I think it's part of City Limits uh, style to just throw in some um, left field questions. <laughs> uh, so we'll, we'll see what she says, but there, certainly there were some gains in the Save Arundra campaign and I'm not sure about the specifics of it I wouldn't want to say because I might get it wrong mm-hmm. but um uh the the logging I think they're due to have an update about the status of whether that area can be logged or not and like you were saying the these and many other areas around there were devastated by fire yeah. and um Vic Forest is facing a situation where they don't have enough forest to log Mm -hmm. and um and yet they have the Andrews government you know made it quite a big uh, deal out of announcing the end of native forest logging but they put an end date at was it 20 
uh, I can't remember. I can't remember whether it was like 2030 or 2050. Something, or yeah, a good, a good at least 10 years away and I can't remember the, the exact date. But, um, yeah, if they're... Yeah, if they're going to end native forest logging, if they see that it's not any good, then why not start now? Now mm. would be a great time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, it'll be interesting to see whether Fiona does have any more info yeah. for us. Yeah. We'll see what she says. Um, do you have any other items on the budget or anything else? Well, actually, yeah. I mean, on the budget, um, Anthony Albanese made his... Uh, budget reply speech yeah and we might go into that in more detail with some of our guests perhaps because he did talk about public housing or what he called council housing and social housing um talking about that he grew up in a council housing um in, okay. in sydney yeah um and he according to you know from his speech it said that there was um I think it was 150,000 people on the public housing waiting list. And I'd say that's nationwide because in Victoria there's 49,000 Victorian households. So that's not individuals, that's households with maybe one one or more people uh, in them. Um, so he, as part of his speech, he spoke about Labor um, pledging to build 20,000 social housing uh, mm-hmm. houses mm-hmm. Uh, dwellings um so obviously that's not going to get near to the 150,000 on the waiting list um but you know and also he, he the focus of the speech was very much about he's like it's important to build social housing and also the, think of all the jobs so mm-hmm. it just goes to show like the jobs ideology is so it's pervasive, pervasive. Yeah. it's across everything and i think if i think you know if if labor feel like if they don't have this jobs discourse then they're going to be they they've got no chance yeah but um you know at, at least uh, he said something but yeah pretty could more could be done for sure yeah that would be another good thing to talk about yeah. with the housing crew um I was thinking, so another announcement in the news is that the coalition has backed uh, funding for a $600 million gas-fired plant in the Hunter region of New Mm. South Wales. Mm. Um, And gas is just a massive conversation nationally right now. Um, Mm. And I was wondering whether the housing crew would have any um, sort of knowledge about uh, the switch from from gas to electricity mm. uh, in homes and, mm. you know, how how possible that is, uh, what time frame it could be and what are the sort of um, barriers mm. that people might be facing, especially yeah. um, people in public housing or people in uh, other, like, social housing. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that's that was another disappointing development absolutely yeah (laughs) definitely and I did read recently and I don't I haven't fact-checked this but I have read that um uh, a study that indicated that children that grow up in homes with gas cooking facilities are as likely to be affected as children that grow up in homes that where people smoke inside to do with like asthma yeah um yeah. yeah Yeah. Which is concerning. And um, the new rental laws came into effect at the end of March, which are the um, 
amendments to the Residential Tenancies Act that were slated to come into effect last year and were postponed by COVID and the emergency rental laws. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have a uh, rule that every landlord must provide uh, heating and um, it, the, the problem is that it's only if that uh, heating has to be installed from now uh, that it has to be energy efficient. Yeah. And uh, apart from that, if there is pre-existing heating, which may oft- could often be gas heating, yeah. um, it doesn't have to be. Uh, I think there's probably a point in the future where it will have to be updated, but it's a good while away yet. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Seems like it's going to be a slow process. Yeah. Yeah. And the other, oh, you go. I was just going to say the rental laws will be another one that we we'll, should hopefully, if we have time, um, <laughs> catch up with everyone about. Yeah. yeah. What were you going to say? Well, the other place that I saw gas mentioned is there's the, I got an email from the United Workers Union saying that they were supporting the um, May 21 climate strike, the uh, school strike for climate is happening mm. this Friday mm. um, and their sort of slogan – oh, now I've forgotten exactly what it is. I think it's like fund our future, not gas or something like cool. that. Yeah. So that's their like um, main sort of attack at the moment. Wow. Um, what do you think the the May 21 uh, strike will be like? Because I went to the one uh, like not – Last year, obviously, the, the, but the, the year before, giant one. Yeah, it was yeah, absolutely huge. Yeah, it was incredible. Yeah, that was crackers. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm not sure. I I feel like people haven't really been talking about it as yeah. much this year. Yeah. Um, I think after lockdown and everything, um, that conversation got a little bit scuppered. Yeah, and yeah, I'd be interested. Like, I'm gonna go mm-hmm. um, and check it out and support uh, the school strikers. But it is interesting. You know, it does seem that the way of these um, movements that they get like a kind of giant wave of um, popularity and uh, coverage, and then mm. people either uh, maybe. It, they don't see the changes fast uh, as fast as they would like mm. or they get distracted by other things mm-hmm. um but then things ever wait but i don't want it i don't want to be too um pessimistic about yeah it, so yeah. And, yeah and i guess the thing is to to turn out um you yeah. know yeah the more that people that go the the bigger it will be obviously yeah but i guess um part of it is probably just covid has taken up mm-hmm. so much airtime understandably but um yeah it does feel like other things have dropped off yeah and where climate change like catastrophic climate change used to be the greatest existential threat we faced as the human race something else amazingly came along which wasn't expected but yeah yeah i know i did notice in the budget reply speech that anthony albanese was talking about um you know trying to learn lessons from this time and I don't I didn't I don't recall seeing anything specifically about environment but mm. I would say personally that should be one of the things is like how can we live more simply and have a less of a negative impact on um out the earth and yeah. our environment but yeah that has to translate into policy change and yeah, um, totally. yeah come from industry as well yeah yeah I think, yeah, it's interesting with the the school strike for climate. Like, I think another um, confusing thing about it is, like, it's a little bit hard to know 
I mean, maybe it's just because I'm on, on the outside. Mm. Not, I don't go to school anymore. Um, <laughs> um, but it's it's hard to know um, what direction it it can go in. Uh, whether it's going to take like a more uh, like whether they're aiming mm. um, eventually for I don't know like a general strike or mm. definitely they they're getting more support from um, various like worker unions. Mm. Um, but you know, like what the what the end goal is, um, yeah. I I, I don't yeah. want to. I also don't want to speak too much in it because uh, it could just be that I'm like ill informed um, on the strike. But yeah, um, yeah. Perhaps like if there was if there was a really tangible um, goal that could be achieved, people um, would yep. be chatting about it more. Yeah, I, <laughs> I imagine the three CR is going to be featuring yeah voices from the school strike and. Like you say, like um, these kind of campaigns are inherently challenging because um, they take time, mm-hmm. they're unpaid, uh, yeah. you know, um, and and you have to have that long vision and you have to deal with the fact that you face a lot of setbacks and don't achieve your goals in the time that yeah. you want to achieve yeah. them. And that's just that's inherent to the problem of climate change. Absolutely. And yeah. So yeah. it's not it's not necessary like it's not a criticism of no, no. the campaign at all. No. Yeah. Um well the last little bit of news and then we'll go to a song. Um we've talked on the show before about the serious um public housing units in Sydney. Um, so just, uh, it, you know, it's been in the news again recently uh, because the uh, the ads have come out selling the quote-unquote reimagined luxury apartments in the Sirius building. So the Sirius building was public housing um, for 40, 50 years um, right on on Sydney's Sydney Harbour's Rocks District and um, there's a definite kind of... Uh, vibe that um people were moved on because it was considered a little bit uh, inappropriate for a public housing residence to have such a great address (laughs) and um yeah it was sold to uh private developers in 2019 for 150 million dollars and um they've done some internal renovations and they're now selling the apartments um yeah i'm trying to look for the price but um yeah, there's a full page ad in the Financial Review recently. Um, the last resident was a 93-year-old uh, woman who was forced out of her home in, in 2018. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. Pretty gross. Pretty heartless. Yeah, yeah. And and an example of, of the kind of logic that's behind a lot of um, public housing redevelopments that you can, you know, sell land or in this case the actual apartments and um you know the the argument from the government in sydney is that this money will then go towards building other public mm. housing in um you know uh, rather than updating the public housing that's there with the <laughs> residents that live there and want to stay there yeah so and you can yeah. only sell like the the government can only sell its public land once and right. then doesn't have it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So exactly. <laughs> you can kind of see the direction that that's going. No. It doesn't um, make sense. Yeah. But, you know, I guess that's why we're not in government. But we're, we're going to go to a song now. It's, um, it's No by Billy No Mates. No 
We need the end to the war in this country and the only way we can do that is through a peace treaty. Not the one you see in Victoria, not the one you see in Queensland, not the one you see in the Northern Territory because they talk treaty and still lock our people up, they still kill our people. They still desecrate our land and our water. A treaty means peace. A treaty means equality. And a treaty means justice. Thank you.
Subscribe to 3CR in 2021. Feed Radical Radio. Subscribe today. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe or call the station on 94198377. Listening to City Limits on 3CR. Um, the song that we had on before was No by Billy No Mates. And we have Harold Morosi on the line to talk about um, public housing and uh, other iterations of not public housing. Mm. Thanks for joining us, Howard. Hi. Um, good. How are you? Good. Now, uh, you mentioned Jack. Um, you couldn't get in touch with Jack. Maybe there's a number he can call if he happens to be listening. Yeah, if he looks up the 3CR number, he can give us a call in. Yeah, um, but yep. yeah, that's right. We weren't able to get through to Jack, so we're just joined by Howard today. Um, but we'll start, Howard, with a bit of a chat about um, rental affordability. Um, there's been some news about uh, rent increases all over Australia, and Melbourne's one of the only places that's been the exception. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Um, let's see, what do we got? So... Um, the rents in Australia have reached record levels, um, up 4% in the last year. Um, however, Melbourne's down, actually. Uh, rental pr- prices for houses are down over 2% for the year. And um, uh, for units, they're down even more. They're down 13%. Um, so that is more most likely because of the fact that um, the uh, foreign students haven't been allowed back in and uh, they make up a lot of the rental market in Melbourne, which is not the case in other cities. Mm. Um, Pretty remarkable so, that Melbourne's one of the more affordable places to rent at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, yeah well, you know, you wouldn't think so, but mm. again, it shows there's nothing, there's nothing really that special about... Um, <clears throat> Economics, it's, you know, a lot of it's about a matter of, you know, old supply and demand. So if you don't have the demand, prices fall. Um, mm. So uh, median rent in Melbourne is, for a house uh, was $430 a week, um, which is now the same as Perth and only marginally ahead of Adelaide. Yeah, and it just goes—it it just goes to show that affordability is is relative because that's not affordable to a lot of people. But that's yeah. right. Mm. Yeah, it's just more affordable than than uh, last year. Um, and you know, once once we open up, once the vaccines rolled out, and we open up again, it'll just be back to normal anyway. So it's not a it's not a long term solution. Mm-hmm. The long term solution is proper regulation, rent control. Um, and uh, public housing. Mm. Um, and so on, on the public housing, um, there's been a few. There's a few things coming up that defend and extend public housing uh, planning. Is that right? Yeah. So we've got our weekly vigil. Um, the next one's on Thursday, the 27th of May. That's at midday till one o'clock at Parliament House. Um, I'm not sure what uh, Chairman Joe is. Uh, planning, <laughs> uh, but I think he was planning to start them up on a regular basis, uh, so keep your eye out 
You can have a look at the Facebook pages. You can look at um, Defending Extend Public Housing Australia. Uh, Friends of Public Housing Victoria normally has has uh, information like the rallies, and, but also um, public housing, uh, everybody's interests mm. is another. That's the one that Joe generally posts on. Thanks. Um, well, Howard, we've actually been able to get, grab Jack, so we'll just uh, we'll take a pause for a second and we should be able to patch him in one second. Excellent. Okay. Uh, can you hear us, Jack? Sure can, yeah. Wonderful. Thanks for joining us. You're welcome. Okay, so we were just we were just chatting with Howard about um, what's happening with uh, public housing rallies and support for public housing residents and defending yep. and extending public housing. Um, so we've had a bit of a summary of how um, people can keep up to date with with events and things. Did you have anything to add to that, or um, uh, on public housing in general? Yeah, I um, probably take it take it more from the um, political angle and some of the, the bigger picture stuff going on as well. I uh, was quite disappointed with uh, Angie Alvin and Easy's um, response to the, um, the, the recent federal budget. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it was actually, it was interesting at all in the fact that we, the cornerstone of his budget response was a, uh, you know, a pledge for the building of more uh, social and affordable housing. Uh, so yet again, we get those words, social and affordable housing, which uh, it quite surprises me that no-one actually challenges that and says, oh, exactly what do you mean, Anthony, um, by those terms? So he did uh, name the cohorts that are um, yeah, impacted by this area, an issue. Um, so, uh, you know, there are things like, um, you know, women escaping domestic violence. So there's actually, uh, you know, a promise to try and do more in that area and also a, a promise to do more in the area of... Um, there are some of the critical stuff we've seen during the pandemic, the... Um, uh, you know, the, the allied and healthcare workers, aged care workers, those sort of people. Uh, so it's sort of tying in the, the need to address that and then with this uh, really weird term called social and affordable housing. And uh, But very notable in that announcement is, uh, yet again, the missing is the word public housing. And uh, oh, Jack, no, no, you're wrong. You mentioned public housing... Uh, as a place he grew up in. Right? Oh, that's right, he, he men- did do he that, yeah. When, when he was talking about the waiting list, mm. and he mentioned yeah. it when he criticised the Morrison government, but he didn't yes, mention that's right. it when he, he was did. talking about what yeah. he was going to do. Yeah, so he waved a flag in terms of, yeah, the, um, yeah hey, I'm a, I'm a public housing kid myself, and how much we need it, but then um, but, but then actually not actually announcing the the, um, the fact that we're, we're going to build more public housing. It's just this um, social and affordable housing. And I think, you know, if you're sitting out there in, in, in the land of Joe Public, uh, you know, when people hear the word affordable housing, they're usually thinking about the, the, the massive blowout in the cost of buying housing. So this, it's, it's housing purchase. Um, and 
that's you know, one area that I, I find quite puzzling is how can you can actually go out and and sell housing to people at below market rate. And you know, I mean, I have heard of schemes around this, and you basically got to got to place a lien on that property for forever, basically that you know it can never be resold at market rate, or else people can cash in on the benefit of actually being sold something this so-called affordable housing. Mm. So I usually presume it's, it usually means uh, rental housing, and uh, yet again that that just ends up in the hands of uh, of private community housing businesses to own and operate. If it's a rental, and most of the sample agreements that I've seen around in this area of affordable housing, in fact, um, you know, you know, it's usually a, a, a project, a joint project between a private developer and a community housing organisation, uh, and, and obviously the devil's in the detail in terms of you know the, the financing and the mix in that, etc. Mm. So uh, it's just disappointing that. The, the public think that this announcement is addressing the area of, of uh, public housing, um, yet, but yet again, it's just steering money to the private sector. And so in Victoria, just following in line with what the, um, the state government's done with its big housing build and also uh, steering money exclusively to the um, private sector. And we saw that in you know, with the... Um, when we talked last month about the um, the offer made to the um, the city of Yarra um, to take some public land and and you know two two hundred apartments they were going to build on this public land, hundred of those were going to be private for sale uh, or, or rental, and um, you know sixty social and forty affordable uh, public housing apartments and. Quite rightly, the, um, the the Yarra Council knocked knocked back that offer from the uh, Planning Minister Richard Wynne, who yeah, I think no has also gone elsewhere. He's actually he's actually been knocked back elsewhere, hasn't he? Um, Howard, I think it was uh, in in Maribyrnong as well. There was there were issues around you know, a similar type style of project being hawked around, and and people are seeing through um, you know what's going on. So at least. Uh, I guess the people in the, who should be in the know are do understand what's going on, and they're resisting this move, which is in, which is encouraging. Is it correct that one of the council members on the Air Council was running twenty-four hotels that were housing the homeless during the lockdown? Yeah, I'm not aware of that one, so I can't comment unless you are, Howard. No, I haven't heard that either. Hmm. Uh, do you know no. which one it was? Uh, no, it was uh, in an article about the um, Yarra Council pushing back against the housing on its land. Um, and we'll have to no, I didn't, take I didn't that on see that in any of the articles, but I'd be interested. Yeah, yep. Um, and so what else is happening in terms of public housing? We've heard that um, there's uh, still... Uh, communal facilities are still not open in the public housing areas that uh, have been closed because of COVID? Yeah. So Catherine Murdoch, uh, I think Catherine again, she sent me information. She's actually a public housing resident. Um, So Housing Victoria hasn't given permission for resources to be reopened since shutting down due to COVID. Um, So 
the over 55 public housing in Home Street, Northcote. Uh, community room is still closed for recreation. That's the pool table, library and gatherings. The computer room is still closed. Uh, in the Clifford Terrace uh, in Kensington, the community room is still closed. No weekly hot meals, no access, no gatherings. Ormond Street, Kensington, no community room access at all. No library, no gatherings, no weekly hot meals. Um, so uh, Catherine's looking for them to reopen, please. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, the rest of the rest of the state is is open. So yeah, there's yeah. <laughs> Doesn't seem to make sense. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, and also in terms of uh, social housing, um, there's been a bit of conversation about um, providers in that area. Um, any comments on uh, movements around that that area of social housing and um, Yes, there's quite yeah. a lot happening mm-hmm. there, actually. Yeah. Um, so uh, we had um, uh, Unison Housing uh, converting their rooming houses to apartments mm. after they engaged with uh, RMIT to uh, get get them to tell them what they would have found out if they'd have just asked the, uh, mm-hmm. the, the tenants themselves. Um, there was a homeowner who donated, who sold his property for a massive profit, just a normal house sale, but he felt that he, he needed to share his um, the windfall gains, so he's given money to a housing association for family violence refuge. Um, the government's also kicked in money, and various charities have also kicked in money for that refuge. Um, again, it's something that the government should be providing as public housing anyway. Um, Homeless industry has lost their federal funding. Mm. Um, Again, you know, the homeless industry should not be an industry. It should be government-run. There shouldn't be any homeless anyway because the government should be building enough public housing. And also the Committee for Melbourne um, is advocating that households and businesses pay for social housing and affordable housing. That's a bit of a wrap-up of that particular issue of social housing and affordable housing. Good summary, yeah, and um, quite a few interesting points. Yeah, <laughs> no research done there at all, Howard. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, yeah, there's a lot of good points in there, and we we will have to move on in in a few minutes. But um, yeah, the issue of rooming house providers then getting a bit of that kind of social license by building, um, you know housing that meets minimum standards um or you know maybe maybe exceeds minimum standards but even so rooming houses are notoriously um profit driven and 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 dangerous um yeah. and uh, difficult but the, the houses that have been built are pretty much just standard public housing yeah property. yeah um, nothing that the government doesn't do very efficiently anyway yeah and and def- and, and the issue of, of of homelessness and and as you say um homelessness is easily solved by uh building homes yeah yeah better solved better solved yeah would you um, like me to summarize the what's going on in public housing apart from what we've already talked about yeah that would be great and and then we'll we'll have to probably um yep. make a move yeah yeah so off the top of my head again um there's a walking tour of the collingwood public housing estate next week um, what day next week that sounds interesting Oh, you've got me here. Oh, that's okay. This one up. 
<laughs> we can put it in the podcast notes if anyone's listening and is interested in attending. Um, yep. Yeah. Uh, so I'll just press on. Um, uh, there's a new um, uh, pro, pro public housing homelessness group set up in Geelong. They've got a Facebook page. Hmm. Um, I suppose we can put that on the website as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a protest uh, at the Ash- Ashburton Estate in Markham Street, um, which was pretty much a Liberal Party affair. Mm. Um, Andrew's government is fast-tracking uh, building and is cutting out the councils and appeals to VCAT in their building in their uh, building um, projects. Uh, New South Wales Liberal government is basically using the same social housing affordable housing strategy as the Victorian ALP government, um, which is not surprising because it's pretty much been written by the uh, academics and the um, the lobby, the Housing Association lobby. Um, New South Wales public housing tenants are organising protests against that. Mm. Um, and on the positive note, the Victorian government has been is installing air conditioning in rural public housing. Mm. Good. Good updates. Well, um, we'll have to go in a minute, but just any final thoughts from you, Jack? Um, I think the fight continues and the public needs still needs to know more about this, um, you know, the deceit going on with the, with the fancy words and whatnot because um, there's not enough resistance, I think, going on at that level. Um, so I think all of these um, initiatives of um, protests, etc., is encouraging. And we need to spread the word. Okay. Thanks for that, Jack and Howard. Um, talking about public housing here on City Limits on 3CR. We're going to take a break and we'll be back after this. So, here you are. Too foreign for home. Too foreign for here. Never enough for both. Ijuoma Umebinyo. Diaspora Blues. What makes you smile and adds a spring to your step? What does it mean to belong? And how do we build a home away from home? Diaspora Blues is a show that contemplates what is and what could be. Join Busto and Bigwa every Monday at 2.30 on 3CR Community Radio. Produced by Yan. Get ready to add your support during our annual Radiothon and be part of community-powered radio. 3CR Radiothon Fundraiser, June 2021. To donate, call 03 9419 8377 or donate online at 3cr.org.au. 3CR Radiothon, community-powered radio.
That was Scorpio Moon by ModCon, and you're listening to City Limits on 3CR. Um, and now we have Fiona York on the line from the Housing for the Age Action Group. How are you going, Fiona? Good morning. How are you? Good, thank you. Um, good. I was wondering whether we could start the conversation a little bit um, uh, left field of housing, because um, I know that you're up in Goongarra. Yeah. Um, and I wondered whether you had any updates from the Erinundra, Save Erinundra Plateau campaign. Yeah. There? Yeah, I was sleeping up there. I just got up this morning mm. and lit the fire and came down here to talk to you guys. Oh, so, amazing. Yep, straight from the plateau to here. Um, it was cold this morning. Uh, there's been a little bit of good news. Um, so since the campaign started in January, um, there was one of the logging coops was taken off the logging schedule, but they started logging one right next to it just after that. Mm. However, um, there's just been a court injunction to stop that logging. So the lo- one of the local environment groups here, Environment East Gippsland, um, took them to court last week and got a seven-day injunction which immediately halted the logging. Um, and that was because there's endangered greater gliders in the logging coop and um, we think that there's enough in there for, to have that area protected. But the Vic Forest Logging Agency doesn't agree. So it's in court and it's going to court today. And then the outcome should be known tomorrow about whether or not they'll be allowed to continue. So, fingers crossed, the logging will stop for a little while. Um, and mm. yeah, that'll be a great outcome. Yeah, amazing. Um, yeah, thank you for <laughs> for coming and talking to us um, while also doing amazing work up there. Yeah, no, it's it's really nice to be out of the city and into the forest. So it's not <laughs> not a chore at all. <laughs> Okay, so um, on to housing topics. I guess yep. the, the big conversation at the moment is the budget that came out last week. Um, yep. So do you have a, a response to that um, uh, in the sort of area of housing for the housing, age? Yeah, look, it was, t- it was pretty bad, honestly. Um, so no money at all for public housing. Um, a small amount of kind of, you know, incentives for homeowners to purchase homes but absolutely no recognition of the urgent need for investment in public housing Um, and this is despite lobbying from everybody from across the sector to try and get some recognition of the fact that we really need um, housing to be a priority for the government but they just completely ignored it. Um, In the aged care area it was slightly better Mm -hmm. so there's a... um, we're, we're part of, as you probably know, Housing for the Aged Action Group gets some federal funding through the aged care area as well as through housing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's called the Assistance with Care and Housing Program. And it's really a great program with lots of people from across the country doing work to sort of link older people in with housing as well as with aged care. And there was a, an announcement there that we are hopeful maybe, um, maybe the details haven't been announced yet, but in recognition of the terrible outcomes of the Royal Commission Mm. into aged care, they've recognised that there's people that have vulnerabilities that can't get into the system. And so they've announced 500 care finders. um, And we're hoping that that will support people like the Assistance with Care and Housing Program and access and support who help people, barriers like homelessness and culturally diverse and LGBTI older people and um, people like who can't access the system to Mm. be able to get the care they need. So fingers crossed that's a good outcome. But in terms of housing, terrible. Yeah, okay. Yeah. 
Is the care finder a role, Fiona? It's Meg here. Yeah, yeah. I think I think what it will be will be a, a paid person mm. to assist people to navigate the system. Okay. Um, because the system is really complicated. It's really hard to know what you're eligible for um, and it's hard to know how to even get basic services in the home. Um, and so everything's online. A lot of people, it's not just about digital literacy, it's also about poverty. So mm. people can't afford um, mobile phone credit. They can't mm -hmm. afford to, you know, that when COVID was on, all of the libraries were closed. Mm. And so there's all of these barriers to being able to get information. And so the federal government's announced these care finder roles, which will be um, able to link people and, and get over some of those barriers, hopefully, fingers crossed. Yeah, okay. Yes. Yeah. Um, and do you have any updates um, just in general for the Housing for the Age Action Group? Yeah, so we've got a general meeting next week um, for members and supporters, and that's on the Thursday the 27th. That will be our first face-to-face -face meeting since... Oh, since February last year. Mm. So that's pretty exciting. Um, we'll, we'll be trying it to do it both face-to-face -face and via Zoom. Mm -hmm. And so the Seniors Commissioner, Gerard Mansour, will be coming to that meeting. Um, and he wants to hear from older people about their housing, um, about how COVID has impacted on them, about how they're getting back to kind of COVID normal and, and you know, how they're managing socially to... Are they, are they feeling confident to get out and about and stuff like that? Yeah. Um, so he should be up in at Ross House, which is on Flinders Lane. Um, and, yeah, if people want to come along, it's 11 o'clock and it'll be a very casual kind of cup of tea, have a chat sort of thing. So mm. that's going on. Nice. Um, I think the other big thing that we've been working on, um, there's two big things. One was the um, input into the big housing build and the 10-year affordable housing strategy, which the yep. state government announced. Um, so submissions closed for that a couple of weeks ago and we put a lot of effort into talking to people about what they wanted to see in an ideal world in terms of their housing. And so some of those ideas are in our submission um, and we'll now spend the next couple of months trying to speak to politicians about that and, and why we think it's important to have... Um, not just affordable housing, but housing in places where people want to live, that's connected to their social activities, um, connected to their doctors. We often have people, you know, who are very part of a community, but they're just getting priced out of that community mm -hmm. and, and they can't, they don't really want to live way out where the housing may be slightly cheaper. Um, they want to live where, they, where their families and friends are. So there really needs to be housing in the places where people want to live. Mm. Um, so that's a that's a big piece of work. Mm. Yeah, we talked uh, just earlier in the show, Fiona, about um, the reports that have come out about housing affordability. Um, mm. That Melbourne is one of the comparatively more affordable places now um, in in Australia, and that uh, rental prices for houses and units have gone up most other places, but in mm. in Melbourne or in Victoria, the trend has been downwards. Um, but um, I'm guessing that that's not positively affecting many of the people that Housing for the Age Action Group supports? We're not hearing this, mm. I have to say. What we're seeing is people getting notices to vacate. Right. Um, so there was, because of the so-called eviction moratorium, um, there was a bit of a reprieve, but 
it seems that a lot of people now are getting notices to vacate because people want to sell their properties. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's been some really heartbreaking stories of people who have lived in housing for 20 or 30 years and then um, the owners died and the kids want to sell it. Mm. And they've issued, um, you know, these eviction notices and sometimes... Um, we don't have time to get them other housing and it's really because it's a 60 day notice often and mm. that's not often enough time to get them into something else so that's been a theme as well mm. so we're not hearing that all of a sudden rents are cheap mm-hmm. um, and and I don't know if rents I mean affordability has to be 30% or under of your income yeah. and if you're a single person on the pension there's not very many places available mm-hmm. yeah we're also hearing that rural areas are really struggling, not just with affordability, but with um, but with availability. That there's just absolutely nothing to rent um, outside of Melbourne into the regions, and I think people may have left the cities during COVID and don't want to go back into living in the cities. And so, yeah, no no rentals out there either. Mm. Speaking of the moratorium ending, that has also coincided with the changes to the. Residential Tenancies Act coming into place. Have have you seen anything about the impacts of that? Um, a lot of the changes for the Residential Tenancies Act we were seeing as positive as wins for us, mm. um, and particularly things like getting home modifications and being allowed to put in. You know, the landlord couldn't reasonably refuse modifications on housing and things, which we mm. thought was great, particularly mm. for older people. Um, we haven't seen any impact for that yet. Um, so I guess it's a bit of a watch this space. There was also some really good outcomes in those reforms for residents of caravan parks. Um, and so we're hoping that there'll be some improved kind of, you know, people that live in caravan parks and residential parks are also under the Residential Tenancies Act. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so that was that was some good things there too. So we're still working in that sector as well and talking to people. We're seeing rent increases in that area though. So there's been a few um, residential parks and caravan parks across the state that are getting sort of unreasonable rent increases. So we have some concerns about that too and whether that's a pattern remains to be seen, but we're certainly having a few people come to us with that issue. Yeah. Um Another uh, thing that was mentioned earlier on in the show was um, uh, Anthony Albanese had his uh, budget response and he mentioned um, specifically um, supporting women that were um, escaping from domestic violence and uh, supporting them in terms of housing. I was wondering whether you had any particular um, updates or um, news about uh, housing for older women in particular. Yeah, we've certainly noticed that people are talking about it more. Mm. So it seems to be an issue in the front of mind of a lot of... Um, it's in the media, it's in the... Polit- you know, politicians are talking about women aged 55 and older, but we're not actually seeing any concrete action. Mm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. the, although awareness has been raised, the decision-makers don't seem able to take the step to actually say, OK, what can we do about this? Um, so, yeah, lots of stuff for family violence, which is great. Um, we also would like to see some specific measures for older women mm. um, who are structurally disadvantaged through their whole lifetimes and are, and are hitting the kind of, you know, the kind of nexus of gender discrimination and age discrimination as they get older. And it's a real issue that needs to be addressed, but we haven't actually seen anyone say, right, let's build some housing for older women or what do older women need in terms of their housing? So when that happens, that will be great. Mm. 
We'll have to wind up in a minute, Fiona. Thanks so much for joining us. Have you got any final um, thoughts or news or anything you wanted to share with the listening listeners? Um, uh, no, just get in touch if anyone who if, if you if you've got some opinions about housing that you want to air with us, feel free to get in touch. Often when we go on city limits, we get calls afterwards, so mm. feel free to keep them coming. Yeah. We love to hear from you guys. That's great. Awesome. That's good to hear. Mm. And uh, yeah. thanks for coming on the show. Um, enjoy the rest of your time out of the city. I will. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, that was Fiona York from the Housing for the Aged Action Group and uh, that's come to the top of the show for City Limits. So we're going to head off and let Joe have uh, his time. Um, Anarchist World this week coming up. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.